Hello everybody, this is day three of question answers and we got so many. So I don't know, maybe we'll go to day four too. And the response is in really good. So maybe tomorrow again we will have question answer session in the evening. But this evening we thank you for being with us, all those who are there. And we thank you for your questions because Sometimes the questions you ask causes us to search for the answers. Otherwise, those questions do not matter to us, many questions. So we search, we learn more about the ways of God concerning certain situations. But again, uh, what I will tell you is when we preach and when we counsel, uh, according to your particular situations, we will try to be the best of our knowledge always be scriptural. But statutory warning is you still need to go back to your scripture like the Bereans and search it out for yourself because we are all fallible men. So this evening before we begin, once again we'll look to the Lord and uh, any of my children are watching. I love you. I love you all but I'm just talking about my five children. By accident, if they are listening, I love you. Father, this evening we just come to you. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We look to you for wisdom. We look to you for the strength for the solutions you show us. In us, we do not have the strength, Lord. The answer is from you, Lord. The provision also has to from you be from you, Lord. And you have promised us that strength, the power of your Holy Spirit, the grace that is more than sufficient. So I pray for all the dear ones who have asked or are still asking, and the answers we give, and you confirm it to them. This is the answer they are looking for, that they will also lean on to your Holy Spirit, that it will come to pass. And they will know your word is not only truth, your word is life. To that end, Father, we commit this session into thy hands. Be with me, Pastor Vijay, and the rest of us, and all those who are watching, be with us, Lord. Help us, help us, Lord. By faith we come under the blood of Jesus, the protection we have. The blood protects us, and the blood defeats the enemy. So we stay under the blood. Speak to us, speak through us, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, the floor is yours. Yeah, so uh, once again, uh, welcome to all of you. So we'll have the same category of questions, but today we'll be specifically targeting, or rather looking at questions related to Catholicism. Uh, many of you have asked a lot of questions, so that'll be the primary thing that we'll be looking at. And followed by questions related to life and uh, the occult and the demonic. And then followed by theology questions and then curiosity questions, if time permits. Uh, the occult and the demonic, maybe we'll leave it for tomorrow. Later, later yeah. We'll, if, whenever, if we'll, we'll, we will deal with the demons in one go. One go, okay. <laughs> okay, so before we start, we'll have, we have a very curiosity-related question. What are we drinking for? Yes, somebody wanted to know what we are drinking. <laughs> I think it's one of the kids. Uh, 
So kids always have special uh, heart with God. So with us too. Pastor Vijay is drinking ting. I'm drinking tang. So, okay, so that's why we gel together. That's ting and tang together. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now don't fight with your mother. You want ting. Okay. I don't know how she will make it. It's a secret recipe. Praise uh, God. <laughs> okay, Pastor. So yes. First question. Mm. Uh, many of them are thank for the answers. But they need more clarifications about Mary, Purgatory, and the saints. And uh, yeah, the question related to that, of course, is question number two. If you can see that. Yes, if we do not pray, pray to Mary, Mary, we are sent to, to Purgatory. purgatory. So, so if you do not acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Redeemer, there is no chance of making it to the pearly gates of heaven. So how can you prove you are right and we yeah, are wrong? I know it's a, it's a. I know it's a life and death question. It's not an easy, easy to change at a stage in your life. People like me, we, I came to the Lord relatively early in life. But when you are old and you are set and your thinking is set and this is what you have been trained, this is what you have practiced all your life and then it becomes very, very difficult so let's deal with uh, the basic tenets of Catholicism and uh, why we choose to differ and the differences are really, really big. One of the first things about Catholicism, which uh, uh, let me explain to you this theoretically like uh, we do in his, did his research in Robotics, I did in literature, and in literature language, this is how we will explain so that you understand it better, the struggle Catholics face. We call it, uh, in literary terms, the tyranny of language. The language can be the greatest blessing, also the language can be used as an instrument of oppression. So you will always see in uh, religions, uh, for centuries, Scripture was available only in a very particular language yes. and the majority of the adherents of that particular religion did not have access to that language nor could they read it or understand it. So what happened is they had to go by a set of small group of people who had access to that language. They were the priestly class. So their interpretation they had to follow. Like in India, all the Hindu scriptures were written in Sanskrit. Ninety-eight, I don't know how many percentage, maybe more than that, did not know or had access to Sanskrit. So they controlled the narrative. Yeah. Hmm? Uh, the kids can stay online unless we tell you. So they control the narrative. So you will see the language being an instrument of freedom became an instrument of control. Mm. You see the same thing in among the Muslim brethren, Islam. Their religious text is written in Arabic. Very small percentage of that one billion can read Arabic. So again, it is in the hands of a few set of people. I mean, a smaller group in that one billion which had access. Unlike, you will see, Judaism from where everything originated. 
it was given in their language, Hebrew, Aramic, whatever, and everybody yeah. was supposed to memorize it. Amen. Memorize it. Everybody was to know it from childhood. Okay, now of course Islam also follows us that practice. Everybody was, uh, was mandatory. They memorize it and they know it personally, their scriptures. When it came to the Bible, what happened when the, for the first couple of hundred years, 300 years, things were all okay because the church was underground, it was being persecuted. So under persecution, the church went through a lot of tribulation, martyrdom, but they thrived. And then Constantine, the emperor of Rome, went, once he becomes Christian, everything changes. That's when the church came overground. And what actually happened in history is we had the church and the uh, political power coming in together. Suddenly it was profitable to be a priest or a Christian because the emperor is Christian now. So all kinds of people became came into the church and they were not truly saved. Earlier to become a Christian, you would lose your head if you were caught. I mean... Emperor Nero and all had his garden parties with Christians soaked in tar and used them as light to light his garden parties. That was what Christianity was. Everybody knew if you were a Christian, it would cost you your life. So there were no false converts. <laughs> there were false teachers trying to seduce the people, but there were no false converts as such. But once Christianity became mainline and the power brokers came in, everything changed. Everything changed. Then the church translated the Bible into Latin and the people did not have access to the Bible and they were not allowed to have the Bible and most of the people did not know how to read Latin. So it again went back to the old format. A small set of people controlled the narrative control the narrative and during the Middle Ages, during the Spanish Inquisition and all, if you had a copy of the Bible, you were in trouble. You could be killed by the authorities because you were not supposed to have interpreted the scripture or read it on your own. So the entire Reformation began when a, just a priest, a Catholic priest called Martin Luther, he went into the Word and he was studying on his own and he realized almost the end Dire practice of the church, who he was a part of, was completely wrong. And that is how he nailed the thesis. How many were there? 95, 95, 95 thesis on the church at Gutenberg, right? Gutenberg. Yeah, on the wall. And that oh. is how the whole thing began. Yeah, he yeah. can explain that part. Huh? No yeah. mm. You can go ahead, Pastor. Yeah. And that is from where. So the whole question is, uh, when we where do we, where do we go to? This is where it comes as, so where we, where we have that term, sola scriptura, meaning only scripture. We stand by scripture. Scripture is the authority. If you go outside authority, in the Catholic tradition, what happens is they say the apostolic tradition continues even now. And that, uh, the Pope is sitting in the succession of Peter, and Peter was the first pope. By the way, Peter was not, poor man was not the first pope and all. He was hiding for his life, every day of his life, living in the catacombs and running back and forth for his life. 
and uh, then uh, Jesus healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. So Peter was married. Well, the popes do not allow the Catholic clergy to be married. Well, if he was your pope, the first pope was married, and he definitely probably had children. So it doesn't fit in with the narrative. So they, you, you have created something which is not scriptural. Scriptural. You have you have not create. You have created something that is not scriptural. And uh, you look into the Word of God, you will see Peter was sent to the Hebrews, the Jewish converts, while Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Gentiles okay, so it it does not fit in with it. But when people do not know their Scripture, people do not know. We don't have to worry about history. We do not know their Scripture. Then anything can be taught. Then you have the concept in the Catholic Church that when the Pope speaks ex cathedra or something, they use that uh, term. He's speaking on the place of God and it becomes scripture. Okay. But the problem is scripture cannot be changed. Scripture cannot contradict itself. And the canon was closed with the book of Revelation. With that, after that, God says you cannot add or subtract. It is closed with, with. And even, I want to look at one particular, if you come to <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Why? Because to our dear friends who are listening, this is very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 onwards. Okay. Verse 1 onwards we'll look. Got it? And please uh, follow closely. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you which also you received and which you stand. He says, I'm preaching to you the gospel. You hold fast, yeah, by which also you are saved. You are saved by the gospel. Don't go too fast, okay? Give me space, give me time, okay? And the font is very small. Which also you are saved, yeah, which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you stand. We are standing, he's, he's talking to them and say, you are standing in the gospel which you received. Yeah, verse 2. By which you also you are saved. You are saved by the gospel you have heard. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he's establishing the primacy of the word and the gospel he has preached. That is what saves you. And look at what he actually talks in verse 3 onwards. For I delivered to you the first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The primacy of scripture, that even Jesus, his death has to be according to scriptures, otherwise his death is not valid. There are hundreds of prophecies about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Everything has to be according to scripture, otherwise his death will not have meaning. The primacy of scripture. And then verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is what the scripture has spoken According to the scriptures. Okay. And verse 5. And that he was seen by Cephas. That is Peter. And then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain to the present day. But some have fallen asleep. So there he is establishing very very clearly. Even Christ had to follow scripture. 
very son of God when he came, scripture was otherwise how will we know? Because so many Christs have come before and after. How do you know which is the Christ? Because there is only one Christ who has come according to scripture, the primacy of scripture. That is why everything that you and I believe has to be based on scripture. Then, you have what is called uh, the issue with uh, with salvation we'll go to that also we we know that uh, in the in the the catholic dogma the problem is um, in the bible let's look at a few scriptures okay so that we can go to that please follow scriptures and if you are somewhere in your homes wherever us australia anywhere you can take it down we will go to first uh, romans 1 and verse 16 and 17 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. By the way, gospel means the good news which we preach for for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, also for the Greek. Look at verse 17. It is important. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. It is the righteousness of God. It is not the righteousness of man. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Go to Romans chapter 3 and go to verse 21. Because this has to be established with scripture. Now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all. All who believe, for there is no difference. There is a righteousness. Because what is salvation? God has to declare you are righteous. That is when you are saved. God declares you are. It is That is basically what happens in a court of law. You are accused and the judge declares not guilty. When he declares you are not guilty, he is declaring you are right. You are righteous. So God has to declare somebody righteous. This is apart from the law. This is the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and all who believe, for there is no difference. Absolutely. And verse 23 will tell you why everybody, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified, how? Freely. The word is very important. Freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Why is this important is because in the Catholic dogma, you are not justified. You are justified only at the end. So your salvation is through works. But in the word of God, anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, repents and believes in the work Jesus has done on the cross, is immediately justified. You do not work for your salvation. You are saved. Now you are being sanctified. You are being sanctified. So there is a major fundamental issue with salvation salvation itself in Catholic theology. So you are working your salvation. Yesterday, two days ago, we Lord, we are not working at the salvation of your spirit. We are working at the salvation of our soul, which is connected with rewards, which has got nothing to do with your salvation. You are justified if you go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. 
Therefore, having been justified, just as you never ever sinned by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That is as simple as that. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. This is a letter to the church in Ephesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Everybody who is saved is saved freely by God. The work was done by Jesus Christ on the cross. You repented and you repented from all your works you were trying to. Not only your bad works, your good works also. And a lot of Catholics, when in my family, struggle with their good works. And they get offended when you say you have to repent of your good works. And that means we are not saying you should repent of your good works in a negative way. But you are not depending upon that at all for your salvation. Yes. Your good works was good for the society. It was great. My father was a Catholic. He was a good man. It blessed hundreds and hundreds of students, changed an entire generation of people in, in a locked country from civilization, changed an entire generation. But did that work help him to get saved? No, he got saved two days before he died by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to repent trusting on your good works to be saved. That's what it means. Not that you are sorry that you did good works. No, that would be ridiculous. No, that you will not depend on any of your good works to be saved. You were saved by the work of Jesus Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. It is a free gift of God. Free gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you go to Romans chapter 5, 4 and verse 5 again, and then we'll go to Corinthians 5.21. Second Corinthians 5.21, yeah. Romans 4.5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies whom? The ungodly. The ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. You believe and the ungodly is considered. To be considered righteous, meaning you are not considered righteous at the end of your life. You are considered righteous now when you believe and you work to the perfection of righteousness. That is for your crown, which Paul will say at this end, I see the crown of righteousness. That doesn't mean that if you die today and you haven't reached, you will not go to heaven. No. You will go enter in with that amount of righteousness and that's the amount of reward you get. Okay, so, and can I have Second Corinthians 5.21? Yeah. For he made him, whom Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. That's what happened on the, what happened on the cross is, there is a divine transference, a divine transference that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What literally happened, purely spiritually, literally happened on the cross is that God took our sin, all the whole world's sin, and he put it on his son. On the Not that he became sin for us. He became sin for us and God's wrath was poured upon his son. The wrath that should come upon was poured upon his son. And then all those who believe his righteousness is taken and imputed into us. And we become righteous. His righteousness is in us and our sin was put on him. That is what happened on the cross. Like we keep saying, hell is full of forgiven sinners who did not receive God's forgiveness. Nobody has to go to hell. 
All they have to is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they will not believe and they will not receive it. So hell is full of forgiven sinners who did not accept God's work. Either they are trying to go by their own works or they reject God's righteousness and said, we don't care. We want, we like our evil life. We don't want to walk in the light. We love evil. We love sin. So that is where the fundamental issue, Catholicism, differs from the Bible. That for them, because you have to realize justification is a settled fact. And you begin from there. You begin from there. And Catholicism denies this vital truth. In Catholicism, justification is an ongoing process. No. In reality, sanctification is an ongoing process. Justification is not. If justification is an ongoing process, you will always worry. Am I saved or am I not saved? That's not what the Bible says. He says, when you are saved, he gives you his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the witness inside through whom you cry, Abba, Father. You cry, Abba, Father. They don't have that witness, therefore, therefore they cry to Mother Mary. We never cry to Mother Mary because Mother Mary did not come inside. It is the spirit of the Father who came inside and that spirit causes us to cry out. Every morning we say, Abba, Father, we have, we, we do not doubt we are the children of God. We do not doubt. We, we are convicted that we failed our Father. We do not doubt we are the children of God. This is the fundamental. The problem is when you err in the main thing, then you have you add one error after one error after it's it's simply like you know why do we say honesty is the best policy? The problem is once you have told one lie, then you have to add another lie, another lie, another. That's what happened to David. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and Napa. Where to where it ended? One lie after another lie, another lie, another lie, another lie, another lie. The problem is once you, I know I'm not saying as lie though it is a lie because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But once you put one error, is a little more soothing word. You bring one error over there, then you have to add another error and another error and another error and another error over there. This whole issue comes. Let me, you want to add to this before I go to the next one? Yeah, yeah. You can look there because so, so we, are, we have to get used to the camera. So mm. the question, <laughs> no, no, question is, uh, mm. is, uh, is this idolatry? If you are, if you, if you are trusting. No, it is basically ignorance. Uh, yeah, because you Ignorance can kill you. <laughs> ignorance can kill you. You could be extremely nice people, but ignorance is a killer. Imagine a small village in India. Those people are all, nobody has any clue what COVID-19 is. But somebody from somewhere else reaches over there and the virus is all over there. And they are very nice, ignorant people, but the virus is killing them. The virus is not going to stay away by saying, poor people, they do not know who I am. Yes. No, it's not going to do. That's why the Lord says in Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. The knowledge of the word of God is the greatest killer. Why do people go to hell? Because they do not know what the gospel is. It's as simple as that. That's a simple reason people go to hell. They do not know what God has done. He's paid the entire price for man's salvation on the cross. He said he will use the Greek word. I cannot pronounce it properly. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. Okay. But it means it is finished. Paid in full. Nobody has to go to hell. You can be the worst sinner. No, it is, I know it is 
unbelievable. We hear about like the worst man you can think of right now is the dictator of North Korea. He's got blood of tens and millions on his hand. Young man, wicked man. But he's maybe dying or dead. We do not know. But even if he repents and calls upon the name of Jesus, we'll be surprised to see him in heaven. And it is, see, it's, it's a, it is, it is stunning, fascinating, unbelievable, but that is the truth. That's what Jesus meant. When he said he paid it in full, he paid for Saddam Hussein, he paid for Muhammad uh, Gaddafi, he paid for Kim Yun Sung, he paid it for Nero, he paid it for everybody. Everybody. He paid it for full. And the one who is trying to work out his righteousness by his own works, you know, finds it offensive. But that is the truth. That's why the Bible says the cross is offensive. It's offensive. The cross is offensive to the Jew and to the Greek. Both it is offensive because your works mean nothing and God says, no, it doesn't mean anything. You mean my good works mean nothing? God says, absolutely nothing. Because if you want to enter into heaven by good works, you need to be as good as my son. Exactly. Because God is so holy, it is impossible for anyone to reach No one can reach according to that standard. The only way is a divine exchange. We have to give it, he has to give it to us, his righteousness. That is what happens. It is impossible. It happened. The only way you can enter into heaven is you have to be reach God's standard of perfection. And that's what God says in the spirit man inside when you are. That's what he's telling Nicodemus. He's an incredibly righteous man. And Nicodemus doesn't understand that concept. Until today, majority of Christians, Catholics or Protestants, do not understand that concept, what it is to be born again. You're born again by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. You're born again. And when you're born again, you're born from above. And you are just as if you never sinned. And then you grow. And the growth part is called sanctification. That's only one part of it, the answer. Now we go to the second part of the, because there is second part of this. Let me explain to you, because that's why I said, when you do not believe the first error and the second error comes in. Let me come to this concept about original sin. Okay, These are all the errors that have crept in. God said, if you eat of that tree, one particular tree, of knowledge of good and evil, you shall die. He pronounced the verdict. They ate, they transgressed. Okay? Transgression of the law. Sin, iniquity, transgression. The one law God said, don't eat. They transgressed the law. They broke the law. They fell of God's standard. Sin came in. Sin is falling short of. That's why scripture says, all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Okay? Sin came in. Man fell short. Now, if you look at actually what happened, Adam and Eve, spiritually, died because of their sin. Act was the same. Act was the same. Eve took, ate, gave it to Adam, ate. But it was not the same spiritually. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 14. The result was the same, but it is does not, it's not the same. Okay? Adam was not deceived. But woman being deceived fell into transgression. Adam was not deceived. It was a woman who was deceived. Okay? That's why the devil came to the woman and deceived her. She ate 
and it, she gave it to Adam and Adam it and that's how transgression came and sin entered. Now go to Romans 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. And now look at that very clearly. It does not say just as through one woman sin entered the world. It is not through one woman sin and entered the world. Sin entered the world through one man. Sin entered into Eve when she, and she died. But when Adam ate, when Adam fell, all men fell. This is the concept of what we say that uh, federal headship, federal headship, this is a very clear-cut biblical doctrine. When Adam fell, all fell in Adam because in Adam is mankind. Okay? So this is important because this this applies, that will have you, how you will realize. Okay? Meaning, and we know it medically, meaning if you are, life is in the blood. So the bloodline of a child, whether male or female, it's continued through the father. father. Yes. It is through the father. The concept of federal headship. So when Adam fell, all mankind fell through Adam. When Christ rose, everyone who believes in him will rise in him. So therefore, Father Mary does not come into the picture at all. You need to understand the concept is the same from the beginning. If you go to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10, you will see this concept again emphasized in another area. 9 and 10. Even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. You look at that? Abraham is giving tithes to Melchizedek. Where is Levi? When will Levi come? 500 years later. But... When Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, Levi was paying tithes to this thing because tithes is being instituted because the concept about federal headship. Now you need to understand why this is so important is, why is it so important? That is why, what is the first sign, one of the first signs mentioned in the book of Isaiah, the virgin shall give birth. Now what is happening over there is... um, the girl who will conceive has to be a virgin because Jesus Christ is not the seed of man. It's not the seed of man. If sin is passed down not through federal headship, that is through man, and it is passed through woman, God counts it through woman, then he is born in sin. He is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. He is born of God. The human body is given by the mother. But he is born of God. So he is born without original sin. But to cover this error, what did they do? They made Mary without original sin. But sin, it is not counted through the woman. It is only counted through man. Till today it will be counted through man. It is the man's bloodline that decides the child's bloodline. It is not the mother's. So sin comes through It's passed on by Adam, not through Eve. So every child that is born is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That is the sign that is given to Israel. A virgin shall give birth. The virgin shall give birth. Because the whole idea, it is not exalting virginity there. 
Please don't understand that. It is exalting something that the child that will be born, a man will have nothing to do with it. It will not be the seed of man. Because if it is the seed of man, then Christ is born in sin. He cannot be the atonement. He is already born in sin. It is the seed of God. It is the seed. So you will realize when one error is brought over there, another error is brought over there. So they have to have this entire thing about Mary without being original sin. So now the problem is if Mary was not without original sin, then you have, you are running into problem. Then her father was without original sin. Now you run into a whole lot of theological issues over there because you created something. So what happens is that then they made uh, this. These are all things which came in much much later, even in the Catholic Church in the early this thing and all. These things were in there. So you will see the entire dogma of making Mary sinless is not necessary. It is a totally unnecessary dogma. It is unnecessarily brought over there. Like we were saying, the poor Mary in wherever she is in heaven now is probably has no hair left. She must be pulling her hair apart by saying, what have these people done with me? I am not what they are talking about. This is not who I am. She is the most blessed of women. Like, why? Why is she the most blessed of women? Why is John the Baptist the greatest of all in the Old Testament? From the time of Abel, when Abel offered blood, he was prophesying literally that the atonement of blood will come, the Lamb of God will come. So technically speaking, Abel is prophetic, his action is prophetic. From Abel onwards, Hanuk onwards, Noah onwards, everybody's life is pointing toward the coming of Jesus Christ. And it is the spirit of Christ that is pointing. I'll show it to you from Peter. Yes, you will see. Please put First Peter, I think it's second, 11. Second Peter chapter chapter 1. 11. Yeah, first Peter, second Peter, second 11. Peter chapter 1 verse 11. I was just yeah. about, it's not 11, Pastor, it's, uh, yeah. verse uh, 9. Uh, no, that the spirit of yeah, Christ yeah, one, in yeah, them. 1 8, 1 8, 1 11. Yeah, 1 11. No? Yeah. One, yeah, first Peter, 18, no? yeah, verse 10 onwards. Yeah, first Peter chapter 1, verse 11, yes. 10 and 11. Look at this. This is unbelievable. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. What is that grace? It is Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay. Searching what or what manner of time. The spirit of Christ who was in them. Was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The spirit of Christ that was in Abel. The spirit of Christ that was in in Hanuk, the spirit of Christ that is in Noah, the spirit of Christ that is in Abraham. It is the spirit of Christ that was prophesying through them all that what? One day God's own son will come, born of a virgin, he will be sinless, he will go die, become the curse on the cross, he will be the atonement. The spirit of Christ was pointing, 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 pointing. So everyone was pointing. But the last one to actually identify him was Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry, it was John the Baptist. He pointed and said, here he is come. Therefore, in that whole line of prophets, he is the greatest. He is the greatest. He is the greatest. Now you go to Genesis chapter 4. And verse 1. Adam knew his wife, Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. 
why is she talking about this? Because in the garden, the prophecy was that God had prophesied the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. So as soon as she brings forth the first male, she thinks this is the seed of the man who will crush the head. After that, every woman in that line, Jewish heritage, is hoping she will bear the Messiah. Every one of them, its hope is that the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman, the seed, that is her hope. That is why they are all crying to have a baby, unlike today. Why is every Jewish woman does not want to be barren? Because barrenness is a curse upon you, meaning your womb is not chosen to birth the Messiah. Every woman's dream in the Jewish line is to birth the Messiah. Okay? And if John the Baptist is the greatest because he pointed the Messiah among women, Mary becomes the most blessed because her womb is what is chosen. You get the picture? Her womb is the chosen. That is how these two things, that is how you have to look at scripture and see what scripture is talking about. So, Mary was not sinless. She was not sinless. If Mary had said, no, somebody else would have, God would have found somebody else. Okay, somebody said. Mary was the most blessed because she was a young teenager and when she heard, she did not understand how can this be. And But she said, let it be unto me according to the word of the Lord. And that is how the divine conception took place. The Holy Spirit, the word becomes seed in her and he gets his human body, this body from Mary, but his spirit soul is totally untouched without sin. But he goes through temptation, meaning one of my young ones from Chennai, little Yuhan asked, you said Adam and Christ had the same character. Okay, character was a difficult word. Basically, I mean Adam's form when he was made and Jesus was kind of similar. Both were made without sin. Adam was without sin and Jesus was without sin. Okay, and into Adam, God breathed his Holy Spirit. This was born of the Holy Spirit. Nature-wise, both were the same. They both had the same sinless nature. nature. Yes. And when Adam's temptation was the same, Jesus' temptation also was the same. He's, he had the same he had the same flesh. He was tempted at all points. So you need to realize when you come into the 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 Catholic dogmas, what happened is they added one after one after one after one after they added and you will realize it is all error. It's because, I will tell you something which is interesting. If you read every translation of the Bible available and you read Genesis 3.16 in the Catholic Bible, 3.16 is different in the Catholic Bible. It does not say he shall crush. It will say she shall crush. They, even there they changed it. No manuscript will say she. It will say he. You shall bite his heel and he shall crush your head. But in the Catholic, because the oldest Bible I have is the Catholic Bible. One, when my father passed away, different people took different things. I took the Bible. So it's still there with me. It's the oldest possession in my hand. It's the original Douay words and dreams, Douay Catholic version. I think there it is, sheep. So you have to realize this is not accidental. There are people who are working behind to change the entire plan of salvation. Keep people in ignorance. Never let them read the Bible. Never for centuries see that um, the 
dear Catholic brethren of those years, never had access to the Bible. And Martin Luther was a priest, so he had the Bible. And he read, he understood, this is not how salvation takes place. He translated into the common man's language. And Gutenberg came, printing came, people had, oh boy, those days if you had a Bible, the soldiers were all out like, you know, like now they are checking um, what you are carrying around in the way those days all the soldiers in so many countries were just checking to get the printed Bibles to burn them, that nobody should have access to the Bible. So you need to realize actual history, people do not realize how many people were martyred for simply having, and John Wycliffe translated the Bible into English, they were so Mad. mad. He was, he was martyred, he right? Was he was burnt and not only, and then he was buried. They took his bones out and burned the bones also in his anger. That he translated the Bible into English. So you need to realize, I mean, why this so much vehement opposition to people having access to the Word of God? Because it sets you free. Salvation is so simple. I hear the word, I believe, I get saved, the Holy Spirit comes, and like we do in the church, you have absolute autonomy with the word. Nobody will tell you, this is what you have to believe. You are free. The word is there, the spirit is there, the anointing is there, you go. But God has put teachers over there, we teach you. But we never force you to believe this way. We tell you it is there, it is the freedom. And this is where you have to understand the issue from there onwards, everything, 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 everything went wrong. I want to continue with that question. So she, uh, yeah. uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 1, uh, yeah. she says uh, mm. it was 46 and 47. Mm. Yeah. 146 and 47. Mm. And the Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord mm. and, my and my spirit, spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She's, she calls him, calls <laughs> she, she talks about her own son as her Savior. That's, but even that is inscribed by the Holy Spirit. Remember, that is not her song. Yeah. This is the Spirit of God moving her to write this song. And that is why it is recorded in the Bible. It becomes scripture. The only, only sermon Mary ever preached, if you want to put it that way, which became scripture, is just the Holy Spirit is talking. And in that, she declares very clearly that God is my Savior. Okay, then let me come to another part of the Catholic part so that the dear Catholic brethren understand Hebrews chapter 7, 26 and 27. And then we go to Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10. Hebrews 7, 26, 27. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Who is this? Jesus. Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices. It's talking about the pattern of the law. First for his own sins, then for the people's. For this he did once for all. Once for all when he offered up himself. Hebrews 9.28 This is very important for Catholics. Please listen. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Once for all. Hebrews 10, verse 10 and 12, 10 to 12. By that we will we have been sanctified, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And 
every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Got it? Come to it. Why? Hebrews 10 verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which offer continually year by year make those approach perfect. 10.11 We saw that earlier. but Every priest stands ministering daily offering repeatedly same sacrifices which can never take away. So Jesus did it once and for all. For all. Hebrews 2.17 Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, making propitiation, propitiation for this. I am getting him to pronounce it because I always go wrong with that. For the sins of the people. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. We, this may mean nothing to us because we know it is and we, we apply it and we know it is true. It is very important for the Catholic to know that because... The Catholic service they attend is not a service like we attend. It is a mass. It is a sacrifice. Transubstantiation. Yes. What they, uh, yeah, the word they, that is why it is so important for them to attend the mass because it, attending the mass itself is giving them absolution. The mass itself, the priest is reenacting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the Bible says no. Once and for all it is done. And everybody who he has believed him once and all has been justified. You're attending the mass doesn't change anything. Therefore, when we go, we don't going for a mass. We're going for a worship service, a celebration service to celebrate what he has done in us already. We are celebrating our salvation and celebrating our redeemer, not for us. So even during this COVID-19, when everything is locked down, the Pope and the Cardinals have issued an edict freeing the people from not attending the uh, mass and giving them absolution. So this has become a ritual. This has become a ritual. You need to realize this is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. You are putting your trust in a ritual and not in what Christ has already done. You believed in it. The Spirit of God is inside. So it has become an entire... And then therefore the communion also changes. For them, the communion, the Catholic Church, the communion is... It literally becomes the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. That is what is called transubstantiation. Okay, it becomes... But that's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of my until of, of, of my death. Yes. That I... My body was broken for you. My blood was shed for you. This is the new covenant. And it has been kept there primarily so that people will judge themselves. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 26, the purpose is very, very clearly given there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You are proclaiming something. You are not saying it becomes your, his body and blood. In chapter 5 of John, when he was living, when he said it was basically, he's talking about that his life should be our life. 
Otherwise, you will not, you will not be able to. That is basically what we did by faith. When we believed, he came inside. His life has become our life. And as you walk by faith, his life is increasing in us. And here, if you come from verse 27 onwards, you will see what it means. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What does it mean? Verse 28. Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Yeah, come further down. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. That is why in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, when the church actually begins, the first day when the church is actually beginning, that's 3,000 have been baptized. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread. It is put over there. Now doctrine is being taught. You are all born again. You are all in the kingdom. This is the kingdom life. This is how kingdom people communicate and live among with each other fellowship. And when you sin against each other, the breaking of bread, you judge yourself. Make peace with each other. When you sin against God, make peace with God and break bread. And your prayers will be heard. That is the order in which it has been put. So you need to realize the Catholic Mass is not a worship service. It is not a worship service. It's a very dangerous service. Honestly, it's a very dangerous service where man is putting his faith in the ritual. In the ritual. And what difference is there with a Hindu who puts trust in his mantra? Every Hindu wakes up in the morning, looks to the sun and does his Gayatri mantra. He doesn't have to change. His trust is in his mantra. A Catholic doesn't have to change. His trust is in his uh, in the mass he has attended. He may be totally be alcoholic. He will not drink for those 40 days and the 41st day. That is why you have this, uh, the Catholic practice is Mardi Gras and everything is because. That is the day. Mardi Gras is the day before the Lent begins. You would let loose of everything you want to do. The next 40 days you are good. You know why? Because they have put their faith in the ritual. The ritual saves me. It did not even happen in the old covenant. The ritual did not save anybody. You had. You look at the pattern in the Old Testament. How, why is Abel considered righteous? Because of the blood of the lamb. Right? Blood of the lamb. Why did Israel leave Egypt? Because of the blood of the lamb. Passover lamb. The blood, which is symbolizing the blood of Jesus Christ, which is being paid for our atonement. Right? How could Israel escape God's judgment? The high priest had to offer that blood, a day of atonement. It was always, right? It was always the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And finally, it all ceased when Jesus went and died on the cross, right? Yes. Yes. There is nothing in the Bible talking about the mother of the Passover lamb. Hmm. I'm not being sarcastic, I'm being real. Nothing in the Bible talking about the mother of the Passover lamb. Absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. From the beginning when Abel offers... When he recorded man from all the way down, it is the Passover lamb. He has, the Passover lamb has to be without blemish, meaning when it comes, the man, the son of God, will be without sin. And that blood has to be offered, and that's how we receive and mercy. It, also to be a male blemish. it has to be a male without a blemish. It cannot be a female too. It has to be a male without blemish. So you will see the pattern in the Old Testament fits only with Jesus Christ. It does not fit in it anybody. That is why scripture says he died according to scriptures. 
And he rose according to the scripture. So bringing poor Mary into that, I feel sorry for her. No, because she's not guilty about any of those things. Any of those things. She's not guilty at all. And you will see the clear demarcation Jesus makes over there. The references to Mary over there is first time you will see is when he is at the wedding at Cana. His ministry has begun. He's baptized, he's risen, empowered with the Holy Spirit, tempted for 40 days, comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit, he's at Cana. And then she comes. And his first response post being presented to the world is, what has that got to do with woman? My time has not come yet. Because she's asking him to turn water into wine. And the wine is a symbol of his death. A symbol of his death. Where wine will be given as a symbol of his blood. My time has. She does not even know what she is asking. She has no clue. Okay. So she goes away. And she goes and tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do. Okay. Next time you see, what is it that? Uh, two incidents are there. One uh, woman will look at his meeting and she will, of course, try to say, Blessed is the woman who, uh, you no, uh, uh, who, who nursed you. Who nursed you. He said no. He didn't accept that at all. He said no. Blessed is the one who does the will of God. Will of God. Mm. He says no. Because if he had said, yes, yes, blessed is, immediately this dogma would have been accepted and scripturally it would have a validity. He didn't say, I didn't accept that. Second time you will see that when he was in a meeting, his mother and his brothers came outside and sent word inside to him. That's how the Bible clearly records. You can put up the reference if you want. Send the word inside to call him out. Saying that your mother and your brothers have come. Okay, mother and your brothers have come. And what does he say? It's Luke, uh, you know? Yeah, it's there in a couple of Gospels. Okay, it's okay. And you know what what he says? These are my mother and my brother. He says, these are my mother and brothers and sisters, he says. Hmm? Yeah, he says, why? Let's have it up so that our dear brethren knows what I'm speaking. It's not off my head, it is scripture. Then his mother and brothers came. See, the problem is, I'm talking about, let's stop there for a minute and let me see. Tell you this. Because they created her without sin, they also had to keep her perpetually virgin. Understand why they made her immaculate conception, perpetual virgin. She had no other children. Because this is all connected to a dogma they created. It is not there in the Bible. The Bible actually speaks against it. Her body was used by God. Her womb was used by God as a mother. But the seed was God. That was God, the Holy Spirit. But because they made her without sin and co-redemptress along with Jesus Christ, then she cannot have children. She cannot have children because there's a problem there. Because imagine, that's why Jesus, Jesus cannot have, who are Jesus' brothers and sisters? Us. All who are born of the Spirit and by the Word are His brothers and sisters. On the other hand, if Mary is also sinless and she has other sons and daughters, then they are also sinless. Problem comes problem comes. Then we have to do something with Joseph over here. All kinds of problems comes. That is why Jesus made this whole um, this fellow who wrote that story and had Jesus had children with Mary Magdalene and all is pure fiction because Jesus cannot have children. Then you have a line of another set of progeny which is coming without, without sin. 
completely complicates the whole thing. Okay, people who do not know the Bible do not understand. What was that name of that book? Dan Brown's. Yeah, Dan Brown's uh, Down Secret, right? All bunkum, absolute bunkum. People say, oh, after reading that, I doubt my faith. You did not have faith in the first place. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. You need to realize if you logic, people who do not understand scripture and how God has very clearly planned out the way of salvation for man. And the Bible says it was a mystery. It was hidden because the cross was a mystery. Now, after Christ died and rose again, the mystery is revealed through the apostles. It is all revealed over here. And you will see, it was told to him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Look at his response. He answered, but he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Simple that. He says, word of God and do it. Okay. Now, how do you answer this? How do you answer it? He's not putting down his mother. He's explaining a spiritual truth that my mother who gave birth to me, when I rise again and my atonement work is complete, if she does not repent and believe in me, she will not be part of my family. God does not make acceptance for anybody. There is only one way for salvation. One name under the heavens given. Not two names. Only one name. Bible is very clear. One name given. And one way. That even she will have to believe. That is why after he rises again and we will see she, her name is there. She is also among that 120 who are there. And the question is, what is she waiting there for? Why is she there? Because he said, wait in Jerusalem for you shall receive the promise. Okay, she's waiting for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that she can go and witness that her son, whom she gave birth in the physical, is the Messiah, her Messiah and the world's Messiah. That's why she's sitting there for. And this is the gospel. And the problem is there are over a billion people who do not know their own Bible. Do not know their own Bible. They do not know their Bible. Now let me come to another part of the Catholic dogma. I think today's time will go with the Catholic dogma. The Catholic Bible has seven books which is not there in the other Bible, which is called the Apocrypha. Let me give you that. No, I've read them all, okay? Not like we read the other ones. First and second Maccabees, the book of Sirka, Wisdom, Baruch, Tobit, and Judith. These are the seven books which are there. Now you have an issue here with the seven books, which nobody accepts. And even these books were put into the Catholic Bible only in 1546 at the Council of Trent. Before that, even the early church fathers did not accept this as being divinely inspired. Please understand that. These books came into the Catholic dogma only in 1546. You have to understand their history too. So go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 2. It's talking about the Jews, okay? Paul is going by, with the Holy Spirit through Paul is establishing everything. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. What advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to, to them were committed the oracles of God. Who gave us the Bible, the Old Testament? Jewish people. The Jewish people. New covenant, of course, Luke and all are not Jewish. Who gave us the Bible? If there are no Jews, there are no so even if they are outside the kingdom, we are grateful for them. They got us into the kingdom. Yes, yes. 
Okay, if they refuse to believe in Jesus, that's their problem. But we are very grateful for the Jewish nation because their forefathers gave us the Bible. And what does it say? Because to them was committed the oracles of God. And let me tell you, in the Jewish Bible, there is no apocrypha. There is no apocrypha. They refuse to accept it. There's no apocrypha. Okay, because apocrypha, all those seven books are before Christ. It's not in the New Testament. Okay, this is not New Testament books. These are Old Testament books. First Maccabees and Second Maccabees and all, all these sadiqs and many of their other dogma which I will show you now so that they understand comes from the book of Maccabees. Okay. Is not accepted by the church, the Protestant church, post-reformation or the Catholic church before 1500s or by in the Jewish Bible it is not accepted as scripture. Can read it as like we read other books and all, you can read it, but it's not scripture. You will not read even A.W. Tozer and say that is scripture. You will say, okay, that helps in me understanding, but it is not scripture. It is not inspired by the spirit of God. That's the difference between scripture and other books written by godly men. This is scripture, meaning spirit of God moved men. Even they did not know what they were writing. So the David Psalms are all messianic, prophetic Psalms being written as the Holy Spirit is moving him, and we understand it now, this is all about Jesus Christ. So that is the difference between inscribed scripture that Moses had to be there in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he comes down, he gets the 45 first books of the Bible. So the creation account was not written by Adam, it was written by Moses, divinely inspired. So you don't question it, it is divinely inspired. Therefore, another book is floating around everywhere, it's been around for a long time, which is called the book of Enoch. But Enoch was the seventh from Adam, and Moses did not write that. Therefore, it is not divinely inspired. Okay, that is how you need to realize what is from God and what is not from God. And anything that is from God, its scripture has to agree with it. So you have these seven books, and Apocrypha is not accepted. Okay, and look at Matthew 23 and 35, an internal scriptural, uh, what you call spiritual, uh, spiritual uh, proof. Okay, let's, shall we go to 34? Jesus is talking to the Jews. Therefore, indeed, I sent you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues, persecute from city to city that on you may come. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zachariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. You know what Jesus is talking about? Jesus is talking and confirming only the first and the last. These are the books of the Bible, Genesis to Zechariah. And Zechariah is the last prophet, Malachi, and all of them are at the same time. He does not add anybody. If he wanted to go beyond that, he could have added the ones in Tobit and Esdras and Maccabees. He had nothing at all. Abel to Zechariah. And stops there. Even the Lord himself does not sanction Apocrypha. Does not sanction Apocrypha. Why is this important? Because praying to the dead comes from the book of Maccabees. It is he who wrote and said pray to the dead because a whole lot of soldiers because he was he was a revolutionary who was fighting the against uh, the insurrection against the rulers. No, so he was fighting for them. He was a good revolutionary, okay, but not inspired by the God of God, like like God, like the ancient kings of Israel. That's why it never survived. Okay, you can have good motives, but if the spirit of God is not behind it, it's not going to work because Israel is already it's been shut. 
you're not going to come back before my time. So Maccabees, there nothing succeeded. So when his soldiers died, he sent a lot of money also and said, um, give this money as an offering and pray for the dead. That is from where this theology came in from praying to the dead. Okay, that's where praying to the dead comes. But this is something, you want to add something there? Uh, no. Okay. Now let us come to Hebrews 9 and verse 27. Because now it is purgatory. And my boys, children sitting here probably doesn't even know what purgatory is. The Russian is wondering what purgatory is. <laughs> okay. Let, I will explain it. Let's go to Hebrews 9 verse 27. As it is appointed for men to die once, but after this is the judgment. Death, and after that, judgment. The Bible does not talk about any interim stage where you can make up. It does not give you that option. Purgatory is a concept in the Catholic dogma that when a person, this is the, this is the issue with the Catholic, like I said, for them, justification is only at the end when you are perfected. So if you die without being perfect, then you go to purgatory and your soul is being cleansed. You go through so much turmoil and torment and everything, repent and repent and repent in this kind of, what kind of a state, I don't know. And Dante uh, wrote that famous uh, play of his called the Inferno. It's all based on purgatory. Okay, so what happens here is, the Bible doesn't say that, doesn't say that at all. And I'll give you other proofs. Come to Luke chapter 16. Let's read verse 19. The Lord himself is talking about something, okay? So we cannot contradict the word of God himself. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords, who was laid at his gate. Now, we are assuming this is a real instrument because of the name mentioned. Could be, may not be, but God is teaching us something about hell and what happens after death. Deciding to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. After that, the narrative changes. From being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Does not mean Abraham is carrying Lazarus, okay? Abraham's bosom means a place which was then called paradise, okay? Then he said and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Read further. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. Now he will be comforted, you are tormented. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. What did Abraham Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no father, Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rises from the dead. Okay. 
you understand the fundamental issue over here, you will never ever hear the rich man saying, I'm repenting here. So there's no repentance in hell. There's no repentance there. It's not crying to Abraham, Father Abraham, please pray for me that my soul may have peace. There is no peace there. Your prayers have no meaning. Praying for the dead has no effect at all. It doesn't change anything. The cry from hell in this particular thing Jesus is saying is please hope they will repent and not come here. This is the fact. This is the truth. And this is from Jesus himself teaching us these things. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and 14 gives you only two options. There are not third option. Enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. They are not going to a place where they will know they are going to destruction. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way by which leads to life and there are few who find it. God says there are only two options, life or destruction. Revelation 20 verses 12 to 15 also offers only two options. doesn't give you a third option. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. Sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead that who were in them. They were judged, each one according to his works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There are only two options there. There is no third option. Please understand. Now, let me explain to you what I, because there are, these are things in the unseen realm. So we can only go by the vague pictures you have in scripture and not put it across as doctrine because there is only one who rose from the dead and he alone can tell us what it is, but everything has not been revealed. But let me show you. Hell. Okay? This is how we presume. Go to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. Got it? This is talking about what Jesus actually did. In as much as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is devil. Who had the power of death? The devil. God said, if you eat, you will die. And whose word did they believe? Devil's voice. And when he filled, they gave authority over into his hands. The devil took authority over the world. Adam had authority over the world. Passed over to the devil. He took over the world. That's why the Bible calls, he is the ruler of this world, the prince of this world, the prince of this age. He had power over death. What did Jesus do? He came in the body and through death, He conquered death, that he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. devil. Now if you go to the book of Revelation, and chapter 2, when John the Apostle sees Jesus Christ, listen to what Jesus, chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. 
But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. So who has the keys now? Jesus has. It's not him. When he overcame death, he broke the power of death and took the keys of death. Now, listen to it like, like simple. Okay, very simple I'm trying to explain to you. The devil had power over death. Death of every man. He had the power of death of every man. Everybody who died. The good, the bad, the ugly. Everybody. But only thing is that when those good people, the righteous people in the Old Testament died, it was like that whole area is divided into two places. One side is hell where they are tormented. The other side is Abraham's bosom where they cannot be touched. But they cannot go to God because death has not been overcome. So death is holding them. Remember, death is also a spirit. Death is also a spirit. Can we go over there so that Revelation 20, just the portion we read a little before. 14. cast. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. Okay? Death is also a spirit. Okay? So the key of death and Hades was with the devil. So they are on this side. It's like now, no? Like people are not, some people during lockdown are being tormented. Other people are happy, but nobody can go out. When will they go out? The day the government says, you are free, everybody can go out. Because the government has locked everybody in. That's the what death has done. Because man sinned. Everybody is locked in. All those who are righteous, because Abraham is called the father of believers, it is called Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom. Okay, they are that. And there is a gulf between the two places. One set of people are tormented. Another people are quite happy, nice problem. Only thing they cannot go until death is overcome. So the rich man and the Lazarus, he says, it's a, Abraham says, it's a gulf between the two of us. You cannot come here, we cannot come there. That is what is we understand from scripture. Okay, when Jesus won on the cross, he did something. Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 4. 7. Onwards we can read. Yeah. To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore he says. Who is he? Jesus. When he ascended on high. He led captivity captive. That's interesting. Okay. Who is captivity? All the righteous souls were held in captivity. He took captivity captive and took them with him. Remember, scripture says when Jesus died, graves opened. Lord of people saw all saintly men and all because the power of death is being broken. broken yes. It's being broken because Satan had so much power. Over, he had the power over death. But when Jesus died, the power of death is broken. When did he do it? How many days did he do it? The first day, second day, third? These are all secret things nobody knows. These are all hidden from us because it doesn't concern us. Doesn't come, it's nothing to do with us. These all things belong to God and the people who died. So scripture says he led captivity captive and give, gave gifts to men. Keep, please read Sorry. down. Nine. Yeah, nine. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Remember, this place, it's a realm. It is inside the earth. 
okay it is deep below and everybody knows deep below it is lava it is hot so this this picture of hell is always forever burning molten this thing okay but there is also was there is not east there was an area which was considered the paradise part of it paradise part of it okay and that's where the righteous souls went that is how i understand from scripture i could be wrong and the lord have mercy on me but this is how i read scripture i don't think i am wrong but uh, this is i'm going strictly by scripture okay and now if you come to luke chapter uh, so paradise has been emptied paradise has been emptied i believe Spiritually speaking, because it is a realm, it has been totally been moved from there and transported into the third heaven somewhere. Okay, and uh, that is what Paul says, I was in the third heaven. Some of the words used as paradise, caught up into paradise. He did not go down to paradise, he was caught up to paradise. Okay, so there's a difference. But let's look to Luke chapter 23. This is the death of Jesus Christ, 23. And when he is dying, and the last moment, one guy believes. 43. 42, 43. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's as simple as that. Salvation is simple, yet difficult if you don't believe. If any man believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, in that extreme situation, is able to see and he repents. He tells the other man, we are guilty. We are guilty. He is not. We shouldn't be saying stuff like that. So he is remorseful. He has guilt. He looks to Jesus, believes in Jesus. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, read it carefully. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in with me in? Paradise. If somebody needed to go and rot out for in purgatory, this guy deserved to go there till he's perfected. If purgatory is real and you need to go through purgatory and get rid of all your venial sins and everything, this guy needs to go to purgatory. So that's not what Jesus said. Anyone who believes in me is immediately justified. Your record is gone. It doesn't exist anymore in heaven's kingdom. It's clean. He will not get any reward. And he probably doesn't want any reward. He just wants to get away from hell. Look at that. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He probably was the... Sh he occupied paradise for the shortest period. Because he went in and a couple of days later, Jesus took him. Others and all waited for a long time. This guy had the sh occupancy rate, no? Shortest. shortest. Okay? The shortest. Okay, so you have to look at all this and understand where these concepts come from. And these concepts are not scriptural at all. None of these things are scriptural at all. So if you go back to the question our dear brethren asked, you know, we need a little more details about Mary. Wonderful woman, most blessed among women because of all the women born in the Old Testament. She was the greatest. Anybody in the New Testament can be greater than her. Mm -hmm. Every woman who is believed in the New Covenant has birthed Christ inside. Every man and woman has birthed Christ inside. So there is so many women in the New Covenant who may get more rewards than Mary. Because they did not struggle with unbelief like her. 
see, when you create something, then you create all, and then they have to create the bodily assumption of Mary was taken away alive, they had to keep her grave. Also empty in Jerusalem, so there are two empty. All this was created. The issue is the leadership. It's not the people. The people are ignorant. And how many millions upon millions have believed this without even realizing salvation was so simple, the transformation. Because our, you have to understand fundamental principles about why Jesus, uh, God told Israel, don't count your numbers. Remember, he told always, and the plague came upon, famine came upon um, on David because he counted the numbers. Because why does God say count the numbers? Because the problem is with numbers. Honestly, let me tell you, people are listening to us because we are on video. But if the video were to go around on a normal day and they say, oh, six people, seven people only in this church, ah, this can't be true. Because everything in the world is sanctioned by numbers. But truth is not sanctioned by numbers. Truth is one. It stands alone. The problem is that when they look at a billion people and the entire structure, it has to be true. How can a billion be wrong? How can a billion be wrong? But Moses was right. 600,000 were wrong. Moses was right. On the cross, Jesus Christ was absolutely right and everybody was wrong. And this is the fundamental issue with you. Look at the trappings. You look at, I mean, you probably go to Rome and enter into St. Peter's Cathedral and the Sistine Chapel and you see that pomp and glory. You will wonder how can this be wrong? Right? You know, one of the historical accounts, when the Council of Nicaea took place, I forgot the year, the Council of Nicaea took place. That's when all these heresies, all these issues, after the church came overground and the emperor became, and it was Emperor Justin or Constine? I'm Constantine. Not, Constantine. No, 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 that. Council of was Constine? I'm not sure. Council of Nicaea, which, which emperor, Roman emperor? They were all fake Christian. None of the emperors really, really believed. He became Christian because he won a battle because he said he saw a cloud formation in the shape of a cross and that is why he believed. He never repented or anything. You know, that is like panic conversion. A lot of people get a healing and they think they believe Constantine, it. Constantine, it was, yeah. Okay. You know what happened? One of the actual records which I have read actually says he called all the bishops and everybody to come so that they could have a meeting where they could sit together and discuss the issues they were disagreeing with so they could have the, what comes out of the apostles, not the apostles, the canon canon would come out out of that, no? But what I'm telling you is, it's not about what happened at the Council of Nicaea. Imagine the emperors that wherever they gathered in Nicaea, okay? They say the emperor came in all his glory and pomp and everything. And the bishops from different, different, different places came and it was a sight to see. Some did not have hands, some did not have hands, some did not have eyes because during the persecution they had lost it all. These were the original bishops of the church, not what you see today. Not what you see today. Now they want to be called the princes of the church, but these were the original people. All, all, absolutely tortured. Paul says, if anyone desires to be a bishop, it is a good thing because they have to pay a price. You have to pay a price. And that's what even Paul says. If you question me, I bear the marks of Christ upon me. So you have to look at all these things. And so, if you don't acknowledge Jesus as a savior and redeemer, I'm sorry, there's no other way. Let's look at uh, Timothy. 
First Timothy 2.5. 2.5. 5 and the other one in Acts where it says only one name given under the heavens. Um, Acts chapter 17. Yeah. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's nobody. There is nobody. Because Christ came as man, became man, he is able to talk on our behalf. Because he was God, he is able to talk. So there is only one man. Okay, only one mediator. That is the man, Jesus Christ. And the other one is Acts. Acts uh, 4, 1, one second. Just 4, 12, 4, 12. Yeah, Acts 4, 12. Please look at these two scriptures, how the apostles preach. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's why we preach Jesus Christ. There is no other name. Because if you believe that you can be saved through any other means, you make God a liar and you make the death of Jesus Christ absolutely unnecessary. You are trampling upon the blood of Jesus Christ and insulting the spirit of grace. If you believe you can be saved through any other means or any other person or any other names, God is a liar. The entire life and work of Jesus Christ, was he was the biggest fraud who ever walked on earth. The apostles were a bunch of liars and the Bible is all lies. That's the problem. There's only one man and one name. There is no two names. This is where the struggle comes. And because you have, when you are very old and you hear this and because you are sentimentally attached, because this has become a stronghold in your mind, but I know, Catholics who were Catholics for 80 years, 90 years, even in all my own household, household, my wife's household, in their 90s, Auntie Julia, all came through. My mother-in-law came at the age of 80. She was an ardent Catholic, ardent Catholic. She died, I never saw her, but she was an ardent Catholic who, when the Pope came to U.S., she cooked for him. Every year you all went to Vatican. You all had audience to see the Pope and all, but she came to the Lord at 80 and gave it all up, then she knew what the truth was. So it's not difficult. It is possible. Once you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And sal- salvation is so simple. Why make it complicated? From the beginning till the end, he made it simple. Christ never complicated. When he was born, he was born in a stable, in a manger. The wise men who came two years later, when the star disappeared, they went to the palace. But the stable is accessible to anyone. The shepherds could come. The wise men royalty also can come. But if he was born in the palace, only the rich could have access. But he made it accessible from the beginning. When he died, he died on the cross between two thieves. So the thief could be saved. The Pharisee could be saved. Pilate, if he wants, can be saved. Caiaphas, if he wants, can be saved. Anyone can be saved. He did not make it difficult at all. The only thing that stops us is our pride, our self. I want, I want some of my works to be added. God says no. That's why scripture says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, once again, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Should boast. No. We light 
candles you know in the in the when I mean the catholic thing that's what you do you go confess they'll tell you light seven candles you do novena you do rosary no meaning at all absolutely doesn't change anything it is free every time you are forgiven it is still free free why because it's it, it's like pastor vijay puts in let us say 1 crore in his account and gives the atm card to abigail with 50000 limit per day right she pulls out 50000 fine spends it next day doesn't she still can't she still put 50 yes it is like that tomorrow when you send you rip and go go and go back you're still forgiven because of the price was paid in full over there it's not by your works it is not by your works the problem is when you light seven candles you think you earned your forgiveness once you have said the rosary 21 times 20 times 15 times you think you have earned god says no man will boast before me your forgiveness is simply the work of my son and when you walk like that this when in the word of god you hear faith increases and you grow yes pastor vidya i think that kind of explain the apocrypha our dear mary i think no? that we have actually gone through the entire catholic dogma i don't know yes unless until i come back with so many questions yes if you have more questions you can please don't get offended okay this is the truth don't confuse salvation with rewards salvation is free for reward you have to work god says he who overcomes so we are all in the race and you can be in the race too doesn't matter how old you are you can be in the race too because the day you get saved your timer is started only then you may think i'm 70 i wasted my time or 77 i know who i am speaking to 77 but your day began now and you can still finish well and get your crown yes all things are possible i think we should stop here Oh, it's nine thirty. Because just one more question, no? For somebody else who waited so long. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, uh, so smaller, which needs a smaller answer. Okay. Um, can I? Okay, this is. Um, I have a question which I thought. Uh, so, question number. 14 is uh, a person who is born again and receives the holy the gift of the holy spirit mm-hmm. if he or she by any means commits fornication mm-hmm. one or several times mm-hmm. will she lose her salvation why you only bring fornication there sin is sin will the holy spirit be withdrawn every sin is sin there's one question i didn't want anybody to ask that person has asked that question because that's a very controversial question which is the sin that leads to death i say lord let nobody ask that question from first one john so we will deal with that later that's a very slippery slope <laughs> so many great theologians have bypassed it without wanting to get into it but here Okay, I guess the person who asked is struggling with that particular sin, so that's why you are asking. The question is: If you die in your sin, if you die in your sin, if you die in your sin, what do I say? Because I should not give you false hope, and I should not contradict scripture. The thing is that what I would try to say is you should first come out and God will help you to come out. 
come out. You have to stop. Because otherwise what will happen is that you will trip further and further and further and further and go into darkness. And that's what sin does. It hardens. It's not just fornication, any sin, continuously. And you hear the conviction. That is when the Holy Spirit is being, it is not, I wouldn't say like withdrawn in the, like in the new covenant, but you become insensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit stops speaking to you because he is upset. You have grieved the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, because it's clearly mentioned in the word of God, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He should be put away from the ones. I mean, the, that's the one you're talking about, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, but that's talking about it. It's not exactly how it is, but that is a situation in the Corinth. church in Corinth. But even there, scripture is talking about, see, that happened in those days. It does not happen these days. I'll tell you why. If you go to Corinth in the first century, there's only one church in Corinth. And one community of believers who are all ostracized because you have become Christians. So you are heretics among for the Jews and you are anthema to the Gentiles because you left their temples and idols and all. So you are a small, close-knit community struggling to survive with all kind of stuff happening around. So that's the only church. And if you get excommunicate, disfellowship is the word I like to use, from the church, then you are like, it's like thrown out of your own house. So in that case, if you read properly in first... Chapter 5. Okay. Let me explain to you what is done and what is the intention. You have to look at intention. Chapter 5. Expel the immoral brother. Okay. Yeah. Verse 4. 5, 4. First Corinthians 5, 4. Look at Because always you have to look at the intention of God within. Yeah, please read. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, take the covering of the church away from him and release him. Now the devil will go after him he goes through trouble, sickness, turmoil, whatever, and comes to repentance. So the whole, even the judgment intention is redemption. And that's why in Second Corinthians, chapter you have chapter one, one, you have that they, they repented. It talks that. about, yes. and uh, said, don't let him grieve beyond that. Restore him. The Bible talks about. So when yes. you ask these questions, please remember everything is for the purpose of redemption within the church. And the only thing that can cause you to go into darkness is hardness of heart. Now you get offended because you were disciplined. You get offended. 2.8. Okay? Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians 2.8. 2, 8. You will see it really worked. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. He's come through, repented, restore him. Life is back normal. But what happens today? Yeah, what happens today is you do that, they go to another church. They go to another church. And uh, repentance and restoration, no? the punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. 
so that on the contrary, you ought to rather forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such one is swallowed up by too much sorrow. He goes into depression and kills himself or something. No, he's repented enough. Restore him. Okay? So understand today why it is so difficult, is it? It's because they'll go to another church. Very few will actually humble themselves, repent and say, no, I'm coming back. Please take me in. I understood. I, what I did was wrong. I want to come back. So that's how I answer. But what you lose is, you lose the joy. Another person asked a question. You choose the joy of your salvation. That's why David is crying out in Psalm 51. He's not questioning his salvation. He doesn't say, please, Lord, save me again. It's not. He says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That's what he's talking about. That's what sin does. Sin takes your joy immediately. Like I said, no? Joy is in your spirit. Happiness in your soul and pleasure in your body. When you're walking in sin, you can have pleasure and happiness. But if you're really, really saved, you know what joy is. You know what peace is. That goes. That goes. So, David is a man like that. And he knows joy is gone. He's king. Everything is fine. There is peace, victory, everything. Bethsheba's husband is dead. She is married to him. Everything is calm and quiet. But he has nothing inside. Inside, deep inside, no peace. No joy. That is the marker for a believer. A peace that passes understanding. If a peace you can understand, then it is not peace in your spirit. Like when lockdown is over and all the company says, we are giving you all a raise. Instead of half your salary, a raise. Everybody has so much peace and happiness. But that is in the soul. Okay, That is in the soul. The spiritual part is completely different. It's got nothing to do with outward things. It's got to do only with God. And that's the key of salvation. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit actually reside? In your spirit. In the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. And that righteousness is what you got when you got saved. When you were justified. And that is from where the Holy Spirit tells you, don't worry you are my son. You don't have to go through 15 people. The Holy Spirit within me, in the name, through Jesus Christ, prays to the Father. If you want to know about praying, should you pray to a saint or a Mary or anything? When they ask Jesus, how should we pray? This is what he said. Our Father. And he said, ask in my name. In my name. Okay, and then about saints, honestly, as I close with that, I will close with that. The thing is that whether Mary or any of the saints, including I don't even pray to Apostle Paul to intercede for me, <laughs> though we all admire him. Okay, The problem is they are all limited, simply limited. God is the only one who is omniscient. He can be everywhere and hear everyone. The minute you give that attribute to anybody else, I had a list with me. Let me look at that list. It's an interesting list, okay? And we will see how pagan Christianity became yes. and has become, okay? Saint Anthony is a saint you ask to intercede for lost objects. Saint Annie is the one you pray if you want to conceive. Saint James the Greater is if you have arthritis. My mother, my mother-in-law who passed away should have prayed to him. Saint Jude is for lost cases. Saint Sebastian is if you want to be an athlete. Now let me tell you, how different is from the Greek gods or the Roman gods or Indian gods? In which way it is different? It is idolatry. It's the same thing, it's idolatry. Hmm. 
it is idolatry. The idols which God said, you shall not make an idol image of anything in heaven above, below. The first commandment he is talking about, everything was broken. And you have the feasts of these saints, they are carried. And that's why Catholicism is very acceptable in India. India. And whenever they have those feasts, all the Hindus come because they identify idol with idol. And they have no issues. No issues. And we don't realize we have become a stumbling block to the saving of people. Because we brought in stuff which has got not just got to do with Christianity, it is against Christ and his word. And therefore, dear brethren who are listening from every part of the world, it's very simple. Go to God, say that, I'm sorry, Lord, I did not know. Because in the book of Acts, God says, these seasons of ignorance, he will overlook. But he commands now men everywhere, repent and to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick and the living. Okay, so please, all you have to go to God, I did not know, I repent, I'm not going back to it. Break that spirit of idolatry in my life and all that thing that came through it. I break it in Jesus' name. I'm coming to Jesus and I put my trust in his work. You are safe. You are safe. You stand, live and die on the strength of what Christ did on the cross and the word. Amen. Amen. Love you. We will close. Pastor Vijay, close in prayer. No? Father, we just thank you once again for this day. Thank you, Father, for answering so many questions, Lord. Lord, you are interested in your people. We are, we are your children and you are a heavenly father. More than we, O oh Lord, it is you who is interested in everyone's salvation, O oh Lord. That because you are a father to everyone, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I pray, Father, for all the brethren who have heard, Father, the word today, O oh Lord. So many questions they might have had. Some of them might have got offended, but I pray, Lord. That they will not carry offense, Lord, that the Spirit of the living God will be able to convict them. That you will grant everyone the gift of repentance, O oh Lord. That they will truly, truly change. And Lord, they will experience, Lord, in a fresh way, O oh Lord. Lord, salvation, Lord Jesus. That the assurance that they are your children. And they don't have to go through any medium except through Jesus Christ. Because you said in your word, there is only one God and there is one mediator between man and God. The man, Christ Jesus. We just want to thank you, Father, for reiterating and reaffirming and teaching us so many things today, O oh Lord. Father, let your anointing continue to do the work in the hearts of your people. And Lord, let you, Father, take this word. And Lord, I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God will be able to, Father, answer every other question, O oh Lord, that your people might be having, O oh Lord Jesus. Thank you. Father, bless this time, O oh Lord. And until we meet the next time, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless us and keep us in your love. Thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.